God is good to us. Amen. Amen. All the time. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, we're looking at putting off and putting on. There is an outline at the back of the bulletin, and we are making slow progress. We've now gone through contrast, and we're getting ready to look at renewal. But before we do that, let's ask the Lord to let this time. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. We've been reminded this morning of people that uh, we, we care for, we love, and we're asking you to work in their, their lives, their bodies, their minds, their hearts. And uh, this morning, as I was preparing, I was listening to um, a study from G3 Ministries, and I was just overwhelmed in the, and made aware of the great lack in my life and the great need uh, in the world of the gospel and the, of your uh, effective outreach through your people. Uh, we are your voice. We are your lighthouse. We are your body, your church, and we're here to make the gospel the issue and uh, to the world, and I pray you'll help us to do that. And uh, do, I do thank you for the fellowship, and uh, we were talking about David's singing, but I do, I do thank you for the, the joy that we have of singing these great hymns of the faith and what they mean to us. That particular hymn was my father's favorite. Uh, and he wasn't a Christian, but grandmother used to play it on the piano and he he really liked that. I guess it was the melody and stuff. But it is a good hymn and it is a good reminder uh, to us of your goodness and your the, the fellowship that we can have with you. Ask your blessing now, Lord. Uh, all these uh, verses in Colossians chapter 3, as we seek to just take a few minutes to look at and meditate on some of the things that are there. And I pray that even as we have mentioned already, that it'll be the Lord Jesus Christ that is exalted and heard from and lifted up, and that he and his word will be the issue for us. And Lord, I pray you'll give us ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that you have for us and that we would be submissive to you and submissive to your will and that you would make us instruments to glorify our Lord in these days in this country. And uh, while we're thinking about our country and the holiday that we're in, we do pray for America and pray for the leaders and pray for a real serious revival, spiritual awakening, uh, spiritual direction uh, help us to be part of the solution and not part of the problem and uh, that we can learn from uh, you and your word and that we are to pray for our leaders it's easy to criticize easy for me as well but it's sometimes it's hard to pray but we need to do that um, so i pray that you just help us to be part of your solution and uh Answer, you're part of your righteous movement in this nation that will result in our Lord's glorification and being exalted. And so we ask these things in your name for thanksgiving. Amen. Well, we started out looking, and you can see there in the bulletin about the contrast. We're looking at the putting off and uh, the putting on. It's a simple idea. 
it's a biblical idea uh, that we are to, there are things in our lives that uh, we know do not belong there and uh, that we want to see eradicated. We want to see uh, them moved, removed. Uh, we were looking at the first part of that, putting off the old man. We saw in verse like verse five, where he talks about um, consider the members of your earthly body dead to sexual immorality, pure, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Those are some of the things that that mark the old man, the the life before salvation, before conversion. Uh, down in verse eight is uh, some more things uh, that are mentioned: lay aside wrath, anger, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. And this morning we were we were talking about two other things. We talked about ingratitude, remember that, and we also talked about impatience. Those are two manifestations of our unregenerate lives. I don't know how they manifest themselves in your life, but I know that I have. Uh, if I don't get my way, sometimes I can be I can lack a display of gratitude, maybe even displaying some kind of silly notion that God owes this to me because I'm a pastor or whatever. We can be uh, self-centered. We can have a, a serious problem of ingratitude. You understand what I'm saying? It can be that. We can we can uh, lack being thankful. Uh, the Bible makes it clear uh, that one of the manifestations of the flesh is that they're not grateful, not thankful. The, the second one that we're talking about is impatience. That too is part of the manifestation of the flesh, the old man, and uh, the old life. Now, if we were to take those two things off, what would we put in place? Of, what would we be put in place of ingratitude? Yeah. Gratitude, being thankful with for what? Wow. Everything. Yeah. We have so much to be thankful for. We are we are under a torrential downpour of blessing from the Lord. He's given us so much, and he's given it so generously. And uh, we just, we're all, everybody's talking about my house and praying for my house, but I have a nice house that doesn't leak, and I'm very thankful for that, and it's warm. I have kerosene heat that keeps it warm and cold. Everything that we need, and I'm very thankful for that. It's not like that I'm sleeping on the doorsteps or something like that. It's that he's provided for our need abundantly, and what about the impatience? What do we re replace impatience with? Patience. In what area? <laughs> In all areas, even driving, right? <laughs> now, if your wife is not there with you when you're driving, are you impatient then? Or do you... Uh... No comment. Okay. <laughs> 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 the nose is growing. This is, these are good stories, and these are good reminders for us because I struggle with those things, and I, I'm sure you do do in some areas. But this is part, this is very practical. These are things that are real that the scriptures are telling us to deal with and to act on. And so and we looked at that uh, uh, last time, talking about uh, doing with, doing, letting, for example, someone who steals, steal no longer. Uh, let none, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Um, where you have unwholesome words, you change your language. Only a word that such as good for building up. In other words, these are things that were 
marking our lives before conversion. And sometimes they try to manifest themselves again, but we want to deal with them because we want our lives to manifest the mercy and the grace of our Savior. So let's go back to our text now and move beyond that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and he says in verse 10, this is the verse we'll be looking at, when he talks about putting off the old man, verse 9, he says, and have put on the new man who is renewed to a full knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So he's talking about putting on these things and the new man, it is, he says, is renewed according to the full knowledge. Full knowledge, and this is the, actually in the Greek, it's the word, knowledge is the word gnosis. And uh, there are times when there's a preposition which intensifies that before it and makes it epignosis or an intensified form of knowledge. And it's a way of translating it, and we probably could say an experiential knowledge or uh, detailed knowledge. I've translated it in all the texts that I have full knowledge because that's kind of kind of what that is. Uh, it's a knowledge that is um, almost equated in some instances with salvation. You know that knowledge is important. What we know, we we as unbelievers, Bible talks about the fact that um, the unregenerate man, the natural man, does not perceive, understand, or accept the things of the Lord. The things of the Lord are hidden. They're, they are they are really not they're really concealed from us. It's almost like there's a veil over our eyes and we don't perceive a lot of the things that are there. Um, and when we come to the Lord, we're given our eyes are open and we're given knowledge and understanding. And that's a that's a real real blessing. The Bible talks a lot about having eyes to see and ears to hear. And remember in the Old Testament, Jesus, when Isaiah saw his vision there in Isaiah 6, and the Lord said, gave the commission, who was going to go, and I want somebody to go and preach me, who will go? And after Isaiah's lips were cleansed, he said, here am I, send me. And God said, go and preach to them. And he said, well, how long? And he said, well, uh, their eyes are closed and their ears, their, their eyes are closed and their ears are stopped up. They can't hear because they've turned their back on the Lord. And that, that phrase, they, they do not have eyes to see, they do not have ears to hear, is a sign of God's judgment. The Lord makes the statement in that text that uh, that I've closed their eyes and their ears. Otherwise, if they were to open their eyes and ears and hear, I would heal them. Why is that? That sounds awful cruel, but it's not. It's that they have turned their back on the Lord to the point that God is now judging them by preventing them from hearing and seeing what he has to say to them. But often, the script of the prayer is, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, then hear and follow and this, this is true in the text that we are looking at here, that we want to be able to see the things that God has for us and to hear the things that God has for us and to give us this knowledge, this insight. And it's called, one of the places that's called is full knowledge. And I think of what Peter uh, said in Second Peter, where he introduces his uh, chapter one by saying grace and peace be multiplied to you in the full experiential, I'm just amplifying the word to kind of get the full knowledge into it. 
grace and peace be multiplied to you in the full, experiential, overflowing, abundant knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That full, extended, um, abundant knowledge is equated here with salvation. He goes on to say, seeing that God's divine power has granted to us, here is his one of his gifts, he's granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness, that is the Christian life and the Christian character. And he's done it through this full, abundant, overflowing knowledge of him, that is the Lord, who called us by his own glory and excellence, by the greatness of, of Lord's honor and the greatness of his character and the greatness of his person, he's called us to himself. And he has called, given to those that he has called this full, abundant knowledge, this, this deep understanding of who he is. I don't think there's anything that is greater and will be more appreciated by us in eternity than our understanding him more and more and seeing more and more of his character and his grace and his mercy and his provision. I think that that would be, I'm certain that that would be the ultimate pleasure that we would have in being in his presence and seeing him and learning about him and getting to know him. If that sounds boring to you, it's because you're not, you, you need to get closer to him. You need to understand more about his person. If you're outside of that, then you're thinking of Disney World or something else that's appealing. And that's the things that really matter are your eyes are closed to those things. And so this is, you understand what I'm saying? That this full knowledge is really very important. There are places where the full knowledge is not speaking of salvation, but of simply having an abundant knowledge. For example, do you know what um, what Paul said in Romans chapter one when he's talking about the sinfulness of man? He says there, and as and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do those things which are not proper. Here are the here are those who are living in sin and sexual immorality. They are pursuing that. They're going into that, and God has given to man through creation an understanding of his person and his greatness. But it says here, they, they did not see fit to acknowledge him. And that word acknowledge is the same word, it's the word epignosis. They did not see fit to have a, a, a binding, abundant knowledge of him. And so God gave them over. And so there is, it's uh, given to those who are not saved and said that they did not want to pursue this knowledge. They did not want to pursue this investigation of the creator that creation re revealed. Do you understand what I'm saying? They did not do that. And so God gave them over. God, what we said a minute ago, God turned them over to their own rebellion, to their own sin, and to their own lust, and to their own perversions. He just released them and let them go. And that releasing of them is in itself a form of judgment. It is the judgment of God that says to them who are living in sin, okay, I'm just going to let you go and do what you want to do. And he releases them in their own judgment. And unless they happen to have somebody that really cares for them and prays for them and really asks the Lord to have mercy on them in their hearts, 
They'll be gone and they'll never be able to come back. And so this is an important thing to realize is that we want to, to take this seriously. The second place that that word is used that's outside of salvation is in Romans 3.20, where it says, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the epignosis, the full knowledge of sin. It's through the knowledge, through the law, that we get a, a, a real full um, understanding of sin that, that really challenges us. It really opens up us to, to us the, the hideous, the horrible, the deception of sin. It helps us to see it. God gave his law. It's a perfect standard. But what it shows is the flaws in our lives, in our heart. And so uh, that's those are two places. Let me read um, a couple of verses that I think are really helpful to see this. He talks about full knowledge. Peter says in chapter 2, verse 20, talking about full knowledge, he said, if they've overcome or if they're, um, or if they are overcome, having both escaped the defilements of the world by the full knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and again, having been entangled in them, then the last state has become worse than the first. Let me back up now, because that's a confusing text. It's confusing to me as well. But what he's talking about here, uh, when he's when he's uh, saying if they've been overcome, the word overcome there means to lose a battle or to lose a lawsuit or something like that. And he's saying, talking about these people, he said, if they have if they have lost this battle, if they have given in to these things in their walk, in their supposed religious walk, uh, and they've given in and been overcome by these things, they've escaped the defilements or they have escaped the stains of the world. Here are those in a religious movement. We're talking about people that are in the church and still in the church. They don't believe the gospel, but they have developed lives that are somewhat clean and look somewhat decent, if they escape those stains of the world or those defilements of the world through an understanding of these things of the Lord and Jesus Christ, they and they've escaped that, and then they have come back and been entangled, re-entangled in that kind of lifestyle and that kind of rebellion, then their last state has become worse than the first. And what he's just saying here is the same thing we were talking about, is if their life, if they are if they have an understanding of the right way to go and they begin to get a good knowledge of that, they turn their back on that and they dump back, jump back into it, they become even worse. And uh, that's a scary thing because all of us, we just we, we don't want our lives to be given up. We want to be faithful in our following the Lord. Now, I'm not saying we can lose our salvation, but we can be deceived. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves. It's a serious call. It's one that's to be taken seriously. So we want to do that. So, where do we get this understanding? How do we understand these, these things? I want to give you several verses. Four of them are from the pastoral epistles. Uh, one of them is from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews says, talking about the same kind of thing. If we if we have if we continue to sin willfully, um, after having received a full knowledge of the truth, there's no longer a sacrifice for sin. It's the same thing. If we have if we have if we know the truth and we've understood that and we we persist in going the wrong way, there is no there's no second cross, there's no second sacrifice that you can offer for your sin. 
Paul says to Timothy in three three passages, says he desires all men to be saved, to come to the full knowledge of the truth. He says in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, the Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may give them repentance, leading us to the full uh, knowledge of the truth. And then 2 Timothy 3, 6 and 7, for among them also, among them are those who enter into households and take captive weak women weighed down with sins, being led by various desires, always learning and never, never able to come to full knowledge of the truth. Titus says in the very first two verses, Paul, the slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the full knowledge of the truth, which is according to Godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised in all eternity. <clears throat> all right, I just read those verses quickly. I haven't tried to deal in with them too much, but to point out that the, the idea of having a full um, experiential, overflowing, uh, impassioned knowledge is the knowledge of the truth that helps us to be live to live as we are. It's a, it's an abundant knowledge. It's a fulfilled knowledge of the truth. Where do we get the truth? In God's word. That's the place we go for that. That's where you find it. It's a full knowledge, and that full knowledge is connected with God's truth. So that Paul is telling these pastors to know the truth. He's telling us to pursue the truth to come to a clearer understanding of the truth, to seek a clearer understanding of the truth and of the wisdom that is found in his truth, to know that. So is it, this is really important when we're talking about putting off the old man and putting on the new. We want to understand that we have uh, the word of God that gives us direction and instruction in these things. And that gives us, I think, the life that's connected with the word renewal. Renewal means... Uh, when we use the word renewal, it carries the thought of to make new or to make fresh. Um, it's a it speaks of a new man, the new man that never existed before. <coughs> it means to be made anew completely by God. So when we put off the old man, we put on the new man that's renewed according to this full knowledge, this experiential knowledge. It is the miraculous work of God in our hearts, in our lives. It's making us, it's conforming us to the likeness of Christ so that we can, when we talk about things like impatience or ingratitude or these other sins like that, that the Lord gives us strength and, and ability and wisdom to help deal with these things in our lives because they are really there. The old man wants to come out, and uh, but we don't. Once we are saved, we want to walk in obedience to the Lord and we want his spirit to renew our hearts. Let me get some more. I keep doing that. Yeah. 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 this all the time at work. It was outside in the Lonely Garden the last few four days. It was really hot out there. So the water tastes good. <clears throat> so anyway, this renewal, uh, this process of, of putting on the, the the new man that's being renewed to a full experiential knowledge is being renewed according to the image, as he says in the text, of the one who created him. That image 
we're being renewed to that image. That word image um, means likeness. It's the same word. It's the same word that's used in the Gospels when the Jews came to Jesus and they were testing him in the presence of the Jews and the Herodians and others. And they were trying to get him in trouble or whatever by tricking him. And so they asked him, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And they knew that if he had said no, that you should not pay taxes to Caesar, then he was going to be in trouble, big trouble with Rome. But if he said, yes, we should pay taxes to Caesar, then he was going to be in big trouble with the Jews because the Jews hated being under the control of the Roman government. Fist. And so they asked him that question. And so Jesus said, uh, you have corn? Yeah. Let me see it. Whose image is on that corn? That's the same word he uses. Whose likeness is on that corn? Caesar. All right, then you give to Caesar what's his and give to God what's his. So, but that's the word. That's the idea. And so we are we are counseled here to have this, this um, new man, be putting on this new man in our Christian life that is being renewed according to a full knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. And that idea of creation is a massive word because it just says that the new man that is, that is being renewed has never existed before. It is a new man, it is a new creation. It's, it's a, God, only God can do that, which says that this whole process is not a legalistic process whereby, you know, we can set up all kinds of legalistic standards of what things that you do. You don't do these things here. This is no, no. And these things you want to do, and you want to do them publicly so the church people can see it and stuff like that. And so there's a whole list of do's and don'ts that we can set up. That's not the spiritual walk he's saying here. He said, these things you're doing in patience, um, in gratitude, uh, lustful, anger, stealing, whatever it is that has dominated your, your life, you take it off. You don't need to write a story about it and put it on the bulletin board and say, look what I'm doing. Just put it off and uh, uh, mm -hmm. unto the Lord. And let God's let that process be renewing your heart and your mind uh, in the things of the Lord. Um, Jesus talked a lot about praying in public so that people could hear we're praying to the Lord, and they can see the great piety of this Jewish man praying publicly. And Jesus said, his reward, because he's praying to be seen by men, he's already got the answer to his prayer. He wanted to be seen by men, he's seen by men, and he's still dead. But he said, you go privately into your closet, just a way of saying in the private room, by yourself and the Lord, and you fall on your face before the Lord. God will see your prayer, he'll heal your prayer, and you will be, it will be profitable to you and profitable to his work in his kingdom because you're not doing it to be seen of men. You're doing it to come before the Lord and to be genuinely honest and sincere before him. So this, this kind of concludes what I think I want to say on that. I know that there's a lot of things that uh, we could say. One of the things that I will mention, uh, as I like the way Paul talks about this, uh, 
back up in, in Colossians chapter 1, and this will probably be the last verse. In, in Colossians 1, we already looked at the verse. Paul said, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, did not cease to pray for you. That is, the day we heard of your conversion and the work of the church, we did not cease to pray for you, but to ask that you may be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all, look at this, we already talked about it, all wisdom and understanding. What kind of wisdom? What kind of understanding? Spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. This growth, he says, I want you to have this growth and to be filled with the full knowledge of, of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Be filled with that so that you may walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Walk to please him. Please who? Please him. Not yourself, not your spouse, but him. In all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and multiplying or growing in the full knowledge of God, the abundant knowledge of God. So, guys, this is an important text. These things that we put off and put on, we do it. Uh, we do it as unto the Lord. We can do it privately, uh, but it's going to be public if you deal with anger and you deal with stealing and you deal with things like that in your life. It's going to show, but it's going to show in a good way because it will point to the Lord. And that's what we want. We want our lives to point to the Lord. And so this is this is important that we want to display in our lives this taking off the old man, putting on the new man, that will be filled with knowledge. Uh, we'll, it'll be a, a new creation that's never before existed and it will be making us into the image of God's son in our lives. Well, that's good. That is really good. That's really good. And I would like that in my life. I don't want my life, my life lives, looks too much like me. And I don't want it to look like me, but I do not have the power to turn over a new leaf. You know, we, we do it every year. I, every year I always have the same uh, resolution. I want to read through the Bible in a year. Uh, some people think that's kind of whatever, but it's important to me just to get to know the whole book. And I've done pretty good with that, but it has to be the Lord's hand in it. It has to be a commitment to the Lord and not just to some legalistic standard. And that's true with these things here. This is our commitment to the Savior, to be pleasing to him. This is where this is where change becomes reality. I don't know if you get tired of having good intentions and having those tensions fall by the wayside and not doing anything, not producing anything, and going back later and looking at your life and seeing that it's not not being effective like you wanted it to be, whatever. Here's where here's where it starts to become effective. When you're in your private life, you're taking it before the Lord and deal with these things, putting off slowly but putting off the old man and putting on christ-like behavior and god helps us he gives us a better understanding of these things that he develops us turns us more and more into the likeness of our savior and when he does that people won't recognize him. <laughs> let me have a word of prayer dear father we do thank you for your mercy and your grace and for your patience i'm so thankful to you because i there is such a need in my life for 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 conversion, for change, change, for a new direction, for submission. And I'm, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege that is to look at these verses and to be uh, having the verses look at me 
And I pray that you'll help us that these, as we go over these things to really follow you and to love you and that you would open our hearts more and more to the Savior, that we would get to know him. Our desire is to be pleasing, not to ourselves, but to him. Help us to do that, I pray in his name and thanksgiving. Amen.